This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, whether that's Rovers throwing in a drab nil-nil in the Championship or taking Newcastle all the way to a penalty shootout in the fifth round of the FA Cup, You'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So, the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants 18+. plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. www.brfcs.com By the fans. For the fans. Since 1996. Welcome to BRFCS Podcast number 41. I'm Wen Waihu, the BRFCS Editor. In this podcast, we're going to be dealing with some things of a broader interest to Blackburn Rovers fans. First of all, I'll be talking to Michael Blackburn. He's the author of Agents, Rovers and Cricket Loving Owners, recently published by Grosvenor House Publishing. And he'll be talking about his book, which gives a running account of the events of the last 20 months or so of the Venkis ownership of Blackburn Rovers Football Club. Then, long-time members Ewood Dawn and Oz, who are helping out behind the scenes now at BRFCS, will be talking to us about the 64-year-old tradition of the burial of the coffin event that took place in July in the wake of our relegation from the Premier League. First of all, though, I'd like to welcome Michael Blackburn to the podcast. Hello, Michael. How are you? Hi, Owen. Yeah, I'm doing good. Thank you. Good. Uh, Thanks for coming on to the podcast. Um, Just going to discuss your your book. You've uh, just published it. Uh, It's a fantastic achievement. Uh, It's 430-odd pages. Um, it's taking you something like nine months to 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 go through and get together. Um, absolutely fantastic achievement. Well done. Um, Thank would, you. Yeah, yeah. Would, would you would you like to just tell us uh, uh, how you came to actually uh, write the book? Uh, well, I'm a Rovers fan. Been following Rovers for 25 years. First game was uh, full members cup final. It's hard to once you see your team. Uh, win a Wembley Cup final. It's hard to have another team, particularly if you come from Blackburn. Um, and I was interested when Venkis took over. I thought, right, uh, things they were saying, it was a bit, people weren't sure what to make of them. Uh, first six months, bit of a circus. And then I thought, right, the circus is over. Walked away from Molyneux thinking, uh, that's behind us, let's move forwards. And then it was around the summer of 2011, really, uh, the words the words weren't matching what was happening. Now people in Blackburn would give Venkis a real good chance when other people were having the digs. Uh, people in Blackburn gave them a good chance, and around this time last year, really the start of the 2011-12 season, it was clear that things weren't working out, and I wanted to know why. Uh, and I, I I started putting a record together and. The story built from there, really. 
Yeah. Had you already been keeping a scrapbook or something uh, before uh, the beginning of the 2011-12 season? Uh, well, you can go back. The benefit of the internet now, you can go back. I've got my brain. I can remember every Rovers game. Ask me a Rovers game, and I can remember what happened. And then it's piecing together the story in between. Uh, went back, found out what was going on, what was being reported. But as a Rovers fan, that's where it helps. You're going in as a Rovers fan, so you have a good, you have a good idea of the things that were happening anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, now you've gone back to the beginning of the Vinkies ownership. Yeah. Uh, what twenty months ago is that now? Yeah. And uh, where does uh, where does the book go up to? It goes up to. It was due to end on the final day of the season, but so many things happened. Uh, important things like in the six weeks that followed the end of the season. The work that the BRFC Action Group were doing. Uh, the changes to uh, various. Uh, people's titles, uh, Paul Agnew, uh, Derek Shaw coming, the BRS IT uh, meeting at King George's Hall, all things that I thought brought this period to a, to a logical uh, end point for the book, uh, more more so even than the relegation again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, how did you actually uh, uh, do the research itself? Basically, what I did, I thought, what what was the important thing to do is find out all the information that's out there. So every single newspaper article, I dream about articles with robbers in, not in a good way. Uh, I've, I've read through over the last two years, everything that's been in the mirror, the sun, every single national newspaper, every, every word, everything that's been in the telegraph. Now it gives you a good solid foundation of what's going on. And then you listen to the BRFCS podcasts, you listen to what's going on on the message boards, you're totally following the story 24-7 and that points you in various directions. Now what I found, it was pointing me in a different direction than the direction national media were going. I was seeing this story and thinking, right, these are the bits I want to know more about, whereas the national media wanted to know more about why Keane was being booed. I knew why Keane was being booed. It fully explains why Keane was being booed in the book. There were other things I wanted to know about. Yeah. Um, you also followed uh, uh, media outlets such as uh, Sky Sports News, uh, I guess, and another... Uh... Yeah. Followed what was going on on there. I'm a football fan and uh, I'm, I'm a Rovers fan, so a lot of it is second nature. Uh, and you, you follow everyone, though, as you get in from work, you put the telly on, you read the paper, you're following Rovers all the time. Uh, the bit, the, the difference was just looking a bit more deeply into what was actually going on and where you might read the paper once every other night. I was reading every paper every day. Not just the, the information didn't just come from papers, but it's a, it's a, it's a collation of everything that's out there from message boards. Every message board, you'd be amazed where you find some of the bits of more interesting information. Do you know how when a newspaper article comes? And uh, there's all the various spaces for comments. I, I read through them all. I'll, I'll read through 200 comments on a story about Givet's beard. And you might read through 100 that are repeating the same thing. But somewhere in there, you find the little gems of information that you can put in the book. You did all of this in your spare time while you were still working, I presume. Yeah. Yeah, it's quite something. Yeah. And did, did you also uh, do any live interviews? Uh we, I contacted all the main people involved in the story. Once I, once I had a good 
solid foundation of what what I felt was going on and the questions that needed to be asked. Uh, I put those questions to the people involved. I uh, was disappointed with the responses and the lack of responses I got back. But I think just putting the questions to them and the fact that I didn't get a response is a story in itself. I'm hoping now the book, people latch onto it, can build the pressure to get some answers to these questions. Yeah. Um, who, who exactly are these, these people that you... You contacted uh, previous board members, current board members, uh, management, uh, the agents, uh, Kentaro, uh, the advisors, Benkies themselves. Everyone involved in this story, I've made an attempt to contact. And you, you basically haven't had any response at all from anyone. I spoke to uh, Paul Hunt for an hour or so. Uh, I've had letters from solicitors. It's difficult to get them to engage. You can, I'm, I'm sure they'll sign a photograph for you or give you an autograph if you ask for one. But once you get into the story and you ask the questions that Rovers fans want answering, we've seen ourselves, haven't we? You don't necessarily get the answers. Yeah. yeah. Now, when you when you started uh, doing the research, you know, gathering all this information, so. Was it your intention to put out a book? Uh, what were you thinking, uh, uh, you know, nine months ago? It, it did snowball, really. Uh, I, I thought there's, there's, there's enough information here and there's enough of interest where I think, I think there is a need for a book or reason for a book. Uh, you do have doubts over the time you're doing it, but I think with the way sales have gone since I've announced the book, I think that's been... That's been shown. Uh, sales sales have gone really good. People are really interested in this story, uh, and it's, it's just grown and grown. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's uh, 430 odd pages in there, and uh, essentially it, it provides uh, readers with a, a time scale uh, yeah. to the events. Uh, it goes through in chronological order. Uh, so if anyone wants to know, uh, you know, whether something appeared in the Lancashire Telegraph on this day. Uh, there's a pretty good chance that it'll be in there, and uh, it, it puts all the the, the interviews, uh, for example, uh, Jerome Anderson interview and so, stuff that he, he did on Sky Sports. Um, you can see what the context of that was. So um, it's uh, it's quite a a, a, a useful uh, time timeline that uh, has been put in put together by yourself, uh, which I think is extremely useful. Thank you. What I found when is one of the real frustrating things for Rovers fans is the interviews that were coming out around about November time last year. The manager, Steve King, was coming out and saying, oh, everyone's behind me, there's the 1% not. And I felt there was a massive difference between what was being said and what the reality was. Uh, That must mean 99% are in support. And... You see all the various messages on message boards or whatever or on uh, Skype, fans texting saying, oh, this is not true. This book shows that it's, shows exactly why fans were frustrated. Uh, And it leaves you no doubt why fans were frustrated. And although that was described as irrational a bit, it it shows that it was rational. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Now you've... uh... You've had uh, some help in making uh, the book. Yeah. Um, obviously, your wife has uh, has been suffering alongside you for this yeah. nine months. 
at uh, who who else has been uh, helping you out? Rovers fans have been totally since they announced details of the book. It it, it has like confirmed that people wanted something to come out, uh, and Rovers fans have been well behind it. Uh, the various groups uh, have been a great help. Uh, fans want to know what's going on, and the willingness to do well. The the main help was actually a guy I met off BRFCS, uh, a guy called Phil Lloyd. Uh, now I met him through BRFCS. He heard about the book, and he he offered to read it and give his critique. And I really needed something like that at that stage. He read through it, said the bits that were good, bits that could be changed, bits that he thought were missing. And you you can't do something like this on your own. You need someone uh, to edit it and read through it and really. From a Rovers perspective, you can get all the people to uh, check for spelling mistakes and stuff like that, but more the story that I wanted. Now, I was lucky that I found Phil, uh, that he came along and he was just the right guy. In terms of other help I've got, uh, there's so many Rovers sites these days. Do you, are you aware of all the different sites? Yes, yes. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I've been in contact with the administrators of the various sites out there and they've been a real help information that they've got they give it to me uh, so I've been able to put it in the book uh, the action group uh, they've been a great help fans, fans forum were really good uh, so, so a, lot, a lot of the a lot of the Rob supporters groups uh, have been the main help and encouragement as I've been doing this yeah that's good and uh, now that the book's out uh, you're presumably just taking it easy uh, well, I've got, I'm, I'm trying to push as many as, a, as I can, really. Uh, I don't want to write it and then it'd end up in the loft. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it, it, I, rest, I had a rest for a couple of weeks and now I just like to get it out to as many people as I can, really. Yeah. Uh, initial feedback's been, been really good. I've been Because uh, it is nerve-wracking when you put it out. You think, oh, how are people going to take, take to this? But luckily, they've touched it really well. Yeah. Um, you've been uh, doing your own uh, publicising and uh, you've been taking copies around to people and posting it through doors and that kind of thing, haven't you? Uh, yeah, I've been doing a lot of it uh, myself. Uh, yeah, it's uh, very much a independent, an independent thing. Uh, if anyone out there is able to offer me any advice, any help, uh, sales, uh, BRFC Action Group is selling it uh, in Blackburn Market. Uh, I'm in talks with various retailers, um, hoping to get it in shops over September. So if anyone's able to help with any of that, then get in touch, and I'd be glad to glad to hear from you. That's good. Yeah. Well, um, what about a, a follow-up to the book? Um, are you still keeping records of you know events? I needed two weeks off from the story because 2012 has basically been the year of Rovers for me, and I mean every single second of the day. So I took a couple of weeks off, but now now I'm back on it. I found the the hunger again. There won't be a there won't be a sequel from me for the time being. I think in terms of follow up, it's all the questions I've posed in the book. I'm a Rovers fan. I wrote this book because I want answers to those questions. I still want answers to those questions. Uh, I don't want to ridicule people or uh, to make to find a scapegoat. But as a Rovers fan, someone who lives in Blackburn, I, I do want to know what's going on. And I still do. And there's, there's thousands like me. Uh, so in terms of the follow-up, he's, he's trying to get do something to get these answers. Well, I think in the coming months, 
hopefully sooner rather than later, uh, the uh, BRFC Action Group uh, hopefully will be getting some, some answers uh, yeah. to many of her questions, um, the pressure that they're putting on, and also um, the footballing authorities and uh, the, uh, the, the, the uh, members of parliament that are also acting uh, in the interests of Black Rovers. Um, I'm, I'm hoping very much that in the coming months that we'll, we'll get more, uh, more real action and uh, answers to, to our questions. Yeah, the work the action group is doing is brilliant, and uh, that that's what I said at the end. It, it, it's about fans, and we need to we need answers, and we just need to back each other uh, and to uh, work as a work as a group of fans. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you ever so much for coming on. Thanks for inviting me, Wayne. Yeah, thank you. So that was Michael Blackburn talking about his new book, Agents, Rovers, and Cricket Loving Owners. And you can check out the BRFCS front page for details of how to get hold of the book and also for a review of the book by Parson Blue. Now, continuing the theme of fans who stand up for what they believe in and try to make a difference, uh, we've another remarkable story of how a group of Blackburn Rovers fans went to considerable lengths to ensure that a long-standing tradition in the Rovers community, stretching all the way back to 1948, was kept going. We published a piece on BRFCS about the tradition at the beginning of July, looking at how it all started 64 years ago in Bamber Bridge and giving a preview of this year's event held down at Ewood. But with me to talk about what went on behind the scenes as they went about saving the tradition of the burial of the coffin event are the main organisers in this effort, Ewood, Dawn and Oz. And I caught up with them a couple of weeks ago in Ewood before the Leicester match. Uh, first of all, uh, just like to welcome in Ewood Dawn. Hello. You okay? Yes, thank you. Yeah, how are you today? Fine. Yeah. And uh, Oz. Hello. Yeah, good to have you on. Good, good to be here. We'll just start off by uh, looking at the burial of the coffin tradition. Um, do you know exactly how it came about uh, sixty odd years ago, Dawn? Not entirely sure of, of the exact details, um, just that it was um, people who were linked with the Trades Hall, um, and it was a much simpler affair back then. It, it was just um, a symbolisation, really, of, of the events that had happened to their football club. It was just basically fans who um, had a, a representation of the end of their dreams, the demise, shall we say, and that was represented in, in a coffin that went down into the cellar of the trades hall. Um, and then since then, it uh, gathered a more humorous aspect to it. Um, people started to obviously drink more and, and get involved in a, a bit more of revelry. And then it got into a, a charitable event so there was a fundraising side to it which again evolved into the procession and then you ended up with almost a whole day dedicated to the event in Bamba Bridge with kind of a, a carnival style procession of floats of weird and wonderful mix of, of groups mm. I remember I went to both the, the burial and the resurrection the, the, the last two and you had all sorts of strange things on there. You had majorette troops and uh, scout groups and then charities and, and then just groups from a pub who'd got together. It was, mm. yeah, it's um, weird and wonderful. Yeah. But 
but really enjoyable, I thought. Yeah. The resurrection, of course, is when uh, the Rovers go back up. Yeah. Every promotion uh, is uh, marked by the resurrection. That's it. And the coffin relegation. is ceremonially brought out right. of the, uh, yeah. Yeah, the cellar. Mm. And uh, Preston North End also have uh, picked up on this tradition in yeah. Bamber Bridge. Yeah. Well, they? They've yeah. been doing it just as long, pretty much, yeah. But, but more often. Yeah. More. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And um, the, the floats and things, is, is that uh, something that's uh, come in in the last five, ten years, or is it uh, you know, much longer than that? To be honest, when I'm, I'm not entirely sure about that, because as I said, I've only been to the last two. Um, so that's perhaps something that somebody else could contribute. Mm. Yeah, Oz? The last um, the last time we were relegated in, uh, I think it was 2000, um, and then subsequently promoted two years after that. Um, I wasn't I wasn't there, but I, I've seen some um, footage, uh, photographs, and uh, it looked like a, quite a big affair then. Um, previous to that, uh, don't know, but um, it, it looked uh, looked like a big event last time mm. when the promotion. Um, uh, resurrection was uh, taking place in Manbridge. Yeah. Yeah. We, we've got uh, a link on, on the front page uh, to Gary Cook's website. Uh, Gary Cook did uh, a, a kind of a photo journal of of the uh, the event uh, ten years ago. Yeah, so take a look at that if uh, if, if you want. Uh, good. Now, um, the the event itself, uh, it, you know, it's a long-standing tradition since 1948. Um, you, have you been to the Preston North End one at all? No. No. <laughs> Passed on that one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, only the Rovers one. Good. Yeah. And uh, this year, uh, it couldn't go ahead in Bamber Bridge. Uh, la- last year, I think uh, Preston, uh, when they went down. Um, there was uh, some trouble in Bamber Bridge, and uh, what was that, what was that exactly? Um, again, I'm not exactly sure. What what I did was um, liaise with the local councillor, who was Mick Higgins, um, and he mentioned to me that, that there was a little bit of public order problem, should we say? Um, and I think the general feeling was that it was it was rather blown out of proportion, and it mm. it, it wasn't really. Um, people who were involved very much with the the actual organisation or indeed of, of taking part really it was just a bit of, of trouble that ended up being associated with the day yeah. um, that kind of caused problems for the future yeah. I think a future many people were high spirited and uh, that led to one or two public order offences uh, issues um, which caused um, uh, some concern when the prospects of another um, ceremony uh, was proposed. Mm. Yeah. yeah, and this year, did the organising group in Bamber Bridge uh, approach approach the authorities be- before you got involved? Yes. Yeah. Um, I got involved. Oh, cracky! I suppose it was kind of about June time. Um, Glenn had mentioned that actually, what we'd like to do is have a BRFCS float. So that's what, what I was trying to right. um, sort out originally. Mm. Um, eventually, through a fair bit of digging, I've managed to get hold of Mick Higgins, who was um, a member of the organising committee. And um, he was kind of explaining to me what was going on. There was a lot of to and fro in between um, meetings with police, meeting with local councillors, meeting with licensees, committee members. Um and it was 
I think they, they came across quite a few obstacles. Um, of course, with the, the public order issues, the police were extremely keen to make sure that didn't happen again. They wanted the um, local pubs along the route, which, is it Station Road? Oz? Yeah. Yeah. Which is quite a long road, and there's quite a lot of pubs there. And, and on, on a Saturday in July, understandably, you could see the licensees' point of view that they, they didn't want to be closed for a few hours. Um, also, there was an issue that they felt that they were probably going to have to pay, or the police felt that they might have to pay for the road closure, which I believe it was going to come to about £4,000, which is quite something. It's not just something you can you can just find, £4,000, is it? It's, that takes quite a lot of uh, money raising. Um, and, of course, as, as these discussions kept happening and to and fro in between various organisations and authorities, time was passing on, and that meant that there, there just wasn't enough time to organise the huge event that had happened in previous years. And eventually it, it came to a point where they had to say, well, look, this can't happen. Nobody's come to an agreement. There's no time left. It's just, it's just not going to happen this year. Mm. Um, and at that stage, we we tried to kind of suggest um, a sort of um, halfway measure whereby, well, if, if the procession doesn't take place, can we still do the burial and, you know, just have the vicar's speech, the traditional... Um, speech that the that works the priest isn't it um makes and again that that was going to be proved to be problematic the police still had issues with the uh, safeguarding uh, you know from uh, public order offenses and um so that didn't happen either so at that point that was when we we kind of uh, there was quite a few of us discussing at this point mm. there was quite yeah. a few message board members yeah I don't know if you want me to mention them. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, of course, there's myself and Oz, Glenn. That's not Glenn Mullen, Glenn P. Um, there was Paul, Steve B, Bob, the husband. Bob uh, Fleming, Bob Fleming, yeah. Stu Wilkie. Um, Tom gave us a few suggestions as well. So, you know, there's quite a few of us um, that felt that this was going to be a real shame for this to die out. And I don't know if it was to do with frustrations at the end of the season, you know, on, on the way we got relegated or what have you, but we just felt that so many other things had been taken away or spoiled. This one, you know, we, we're going to hang on to. We, mm. We're going to somehow get this... this <laughs> as, as macabre as it sounds, you know, the, the idea of burying a corpse, which in this case was, you know, the, uh, the relegation of Ivan Rovers. So macabre as that sounds, we wanted to do something simply because um, it was an end of an era in a lot of ways. Um, so it was more poignant than ever. You know, we've had relegations before, we've had promotions before, but for some of us, it felt that this was something of a, a closing of a, a long chapter. And uh, speaking personally, I, I felt it had to go, or it could not go unmarked in some way. Mm. Uh, and I was keen to get involved if the Bamber Bridge thing went on. Uh, when um, discussions took place that proved that it was uh, impractical in many ways um, myself and others had decided we needed to do something about it it's more than just about the football club and, and just saying oh we've been relegated let's do the burial thing we needed to get some and without getting to sort of airy-fairy we needed some closure on what had been a, a horrendous uh, 18 months for, for the club and the supporters and the community um, so um, we took it upon ourselves to say right if we can't do the big thing we'll do something ourselves 
um, and uh, went about organising it as best we could. Mm-hmm. Um, so to say that it, it, it seems silly to a lot of outsiders, but for us, it was um, you know following that night in uh, in May against Wigan when uh, relegation was confirmed, a lot of people's hearts sank and everything that we'd feared had been confirmed. And um, we just felt, as a, a group of fans and as a wider community, we needed to just sit and say, that's the end of that, and let's um, put that to bed and see if we can look forward into the future now, mm. as you would do at any funeral yeah. for a, a, a recently deceased person, more poignantly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it, it was a good opportunity for fans to come together. Um, you know, it, it wasn't a political event in any way. We weren't protesting, we were just getting together to be able to be with fellow like-minded people, to just talk about our experiences, share our feelings. And, uh, you know, it, it was good to have that camaraderie back because, you know, and, and I'm not pointing the finger at any blame at anybody, but there was that horrible atmosphere at the end of the season where the fans weren't united and it, it was just nice to all just come together, have a drink and not have those issues. And, and, and uh, as funerals go, it was fairly light-hearted. There was a, a, a fun theme about it. The um, speeches uh, that were given were all of a, a light-hearted nature. Um, there was no um, uh, morbid feel about it. It was a lovely sunny day. Um, some fancy dress was involved. Um, and uh, this is to say, the, the, the overall feel was a, a, a fun day rather than um, a, a, a bad day, as it were. Yeah, yeah, and of course it took place at Ewood rather than at Bamber Bridge, and that took uh, an awful lot of uh, organising to to move it over to uh, Ewood. Yeah, rather unexpectedly so. <laughs> I mean, we just expected to be able to uh, wander down with a coffin, and and that would be that. But no you'd, such you'd think luck. that a group of <laughs> of, of uh, annoyed football fans would be allowed to proceed. Uh, randomly across a busy road with a, a makeshift fake coffin um, in the uh, shadow of um, the stands uh, of uh, where the club um, had just been allocated. But no, you've got to do a bit more than that, apparently. Yeah. You've yeah. got to actually uh, spend literally hundreds of hours, well, maybe. It was it was daft, it really was. We um, Well, I think that the first steps were taken, we approached Councillor Maureen Bateson, who was wonderful and um, sort of... Uh, pointed us in the right direction of the people we needed to speak to. The next thing I knew, I was um, going for meetings with police officers, who then pointed me in the direction of event and safety management plans and masses of forms and regulations that needed to be adhered to. Then there was public liability insurance. There was all sorts of health and safety, first aid, public liability covering everybody's backs and it, it really turned into a bit of a monster shall we say yeah, yeah. It, you, you had to find people for each of these roles didn't you yeah and actually designate people as um, um what, people who stand on the pavement we, we certainly <laughs> did yeah stopping people from falling into the road kind that of was yeah we, we had to have yeah. these stewards we had to yeah. have oh crikey I'm, I'm forgetting the, the role uh, titles now but road traffic uh, management um stewards safety officers first aid st john's ambulance yeah event coordinator um the lot you know yeah. you, you, you would not unless you've actually been involved in, in, in doing something like this you would you would have your eyes opened yeah, it was incredible, be, wasn't it? Um, i think it was about 12 or 13 pages a 13 page document, document that needed to be filled in with some of the most 
obvious questions which uh, you feel would probably not be uh, necessary to be asked uh, but answered as well so um, it, it long into many a night we're exchanging emails and reading yeah. documents at you know one o'clock in the morning uh, just to get these things done and back in for deadlines because we were under an amount of time pressure as well because yeah. the, the date set was approaching rapidly uh, so it did take quite a lot of, of us our own spare time getting it all signed off mm-hmm. and uh, you were thinking of going down to uh, the Jack Walker uh, memorial statue at one stage but that didn't come off mm. uh, it wasn't a public uh, right away there or something down uh, the back of it down towards the back of it is but again when you actually walk down there if it's a wet day it can be problematic and um, again as we say it kind of turned into a monster because at the start we were kind of thinking oh it'll be just be our be our FCS friends turn up but then as word got round, we, we ended up with, well, it was about 140 people who replied either to me or on the Facebook page. Yeah, because you invited them in, didn't you? Yeah. yeah. That was an important aspect, wasn't it? That and it wasn't seen as a BRFCS yeah. event. Yeah, yeah right. it, it was, it was many a public event. Groups, yeah. and, and, and the police wanted numbers, so we needed to have a, a running total of what we expected to turn up. Yeah. Um, obviously, you need to allocate uh, an officer or what have you. So, um, you know, we, we were surprised by how popular it was going to become. Mm. And we, we, we did think that that little towpath with 100-odd people going down it, it, it was just creating too many uh, issues. Yeah. Um, although the club were very supportive. I mean, I was quite surprised, I have to say. But, um, no, we, we had uh, lots of positive noises from the club, which, you know, great, thank you. Mm, yeah, good. And uh, the other groups that... Uh, were invited and, and joined in. Uh, which which groups were they? Oh crikey! Now you're asking. Yeah. <laughs> There's Ewood Blues. Yeah. Um, the action group. The action group were invited. Um, Rob Crabtree came. Um, there was Rovers fans. Um, Jimmy Fallon. I'm not entirely sure which group he was from. Basically, we. Well, we, we invited everybody. All the fan groups that we were aware mm. of, yeah. we invited. And, and quite a few of them sent people down. And mm. um, it was nice to meet them all because you obviously you know names. But yeah. it was really nice to see the faces as well. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. yeah um, now, on, on the day itself, um, you, you know, you'd been through all this organisation. Uh, right up until the, the last minute, uh, um, emails were flying back and forward and forms were, were going back and forward. But uh, on the day itself, you had this, what, 200-yard or 300-yard journey to make? <laughs> yeah. yeah. How, how did it go on the day? It was lovely, wasn't it? It was, yeah. yeah. We were very lucky with the weather. I mean, in yet another awful summer, we picked one of the nicest days. Um, and uh, it, that was a major, major plus, because nobody wants to be traipsing around with a fake coffin in the rain. That's one of my bugbears. Um, <laughs> so um, we all assembled fairly early um, and... You know, bit by bit, the groups all arrived, and then uh, we started off from the Ox and Hounds. Yeah, and the coffin was laid out resplendent on uh, Derek had covered his pool table, so uh, we put the a, a really big BRFCS flag on, and then the coffin was decked out in a smaller BRFCS flag, 
Um, so people came in sort of to the pool room to pay their respects and yeah. take photographs of it. Was there anything in the coffin? No. Ah, that's a secret. <laughs> oh, right. Okay. Maybe, maybe not. So that's a no, we're not telling you. <laughs> or will be revealed on promotion. Right. <laughs> or maybe not. And uh, then you you had uh, bearers we take, did, take yeah. it down. Yeah, the, the coffin bearers. Well, we had the undertaker in the front who led the procession and then the coffin bearers and the priest behind and then all the other mourners shall we call them yeah. and uh, we all went across over to the aqueduct and we went on to the uh, big public car park at the back of the aqueduct where the speeches were made um, and it's probably a good point to, to thank yeah. Jason Wright, who was the the priest, who did a fantastic job. He was he was really funny, wasn't he? Yeah, he was just talking about. Yeah, yeah. and and Peter Quinn, the Undertaker, he was a really good man too. Yeah. Um, they're, they're both professional actors, aren't they? They are. Yeah, yeah we. Um, Jason's currently filming in Shameless for the next series. If you're yeah. aware of that Channel Four popular program. <laughs> I think he's been on Doctors before, and uh, yeah. Peter was apparently the referee in the um, footage of the Charity Shield in the film The Damned United. Oh, yes. So, yes. Which I have a copy of and I've watched, but I need to revisit that just to check his uh, credentials. And that. But that's what he said. <laughs> I'm sure it was him. Yeah, and we probably need to thank Anna Mansell at this point because we found those guys because she put an appeal out in the Lanx Telegraph. Yeah. Um, and they responded, which was lovely, as did a lady called Helen Duxbury who wrote some of the words for us um, uh, which was also supplied by Paul from the message board and Bob Fleming. So it was a mixture, a joint effort mm. from those three. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was written by committee and it came out all right, which is unusual. Yeah. <laughs> it's also interesting that the words were um, not rehashed from previous uh, events, but they were made from scratch, weren't they? Pretty much. We, we yeah. kind of took their theme as the guide and the, yeah. the very last bits... Um, we took exactly the same because there's there's something that's said, and I think it's been said for generations, yeah. that the priest says, I'm trying to think of the exact words and I'm probably going to get it wrong. Something to do with beer. Yes, it's <laughs> the name of the holy lager and the bitter and, and something yeah. else. Amen. The, the holy trinity of various alcoholic beverages is yes. what the pun was based on. Yeah. yeah. But I forget it now. But the, the speeches seem to go down well, so... Yeah. We did have a technical issue with the... Uh, the megaphone, um, which uh, was supplied at short notice, um, but um, it, it caused the sound to, uh, to to drift in and out a little bit. But we, we were close enough to be able to get the, um, the gist of what was being said. But that, that was the only technical issue on the day, I think. Mm. The, the megaphone was a bit wonky. Yeah, yeah. and probably lots of thanks to James Fallon, who put um, both photos and, I think, video clips out on the web really quickly after the event. So that was really nice of him. It's amazing. Um, People who went to the event probably have not a great deal of uh, um, inkling as to what went on in the background, um, but I'm sure they appreciated it. Um, but people uh, in the wider community probably haven't a clue just how many hundreds of hours went into the organisation of that event. Mm. Yeah. Quite phenomenal. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't have thought that that was the case um, previous to it being taken on. I mean, in fairness, Dawn did the vast majority of the work. So she used to take most of the credit, but um, as I say, there was there was work going on into small hours on a regular basis, mm. you know, above and beyond anything else we had to do, just to get the thing cleared and done in time. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, if you're ever thinking on taking on something similar, be prepared. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm already sort of having heebie-jeebies because Birdie has suggested what he would like to happen should Rovers get promoted. I don't worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> Just another burial, really, is the most likely. Yeah, the yeah. relegation <laughs> the ceremony. Is more likely, yeah. 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 Actually, yeah. you've just reminded me that I ought to thank Birdie because Birdie did help a lot with um, uh, the aqueduct because the publican was away just beforehand when we needed lots of advice on things. Birdie I'm, helped out there. I'd like to thank Birdie's tailor for his resplendent blue and white pants, <laughs> pants that he wore on the day, which were, were superb and should be available in the club shop. All oh, right, <laughs> in my opinion. It, I mean, it, it was a it was a success by any measure, really. And uh, what two hundred and fifty was it? Uh, one hundred and fifty. One hundred and fifty. Yeah. One hundred and fifty turned up. In terms of numbers, yeah, definitely yeah. a success. Yeah. In terms of anything going wrong, nothing went wrong. A success. In terms of uh, getting the coffin in the ground, that was a success as well. Yeah. So, uh, all three major um, targets were ticked off nicely. Excellent. Did you report that to health and safety? Um, Don. <laughs> um, well, Lynn, Lynn Palmer was on hand from St John's Ambulance, and thankfully she was unused. So, uh, yeah. mm. I think Brilliant. the only uh, casualties in there were probably a couple of people had mild to uh, medium hangovers. Um, <laughs> not heat stroke. No, yeah. no, not that I'm aware of. Yeah. And next year, um, oh, sorry, uh, next time. <laughs> <laughs> so next year. <laughs> Next time, uh, will it be held in Ewood, or is it going to move back to uh, uh, to Brig? Well, I, I think we ought to, you know, at least consult Brig and see Give what them the their thoughts are. Because it, it, you know, we all, well, we had a sign on the coffin saying that this was on tour, because officially, you know, it's their tradition. It's it's you know from Brig, so uh, I think we'll just have to wait and see and. Mm. And take things as, as they come. Yeah, yeah. I think they should be given the opportunity, and if uh, the circumstances are the same as they are this time, then we'll just have to, um, you know, develop it from that. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. Although we we we've certainly got a lot of things in place now that uh, could be reused, and yeah. the information and the contacts. And um, I've not thanked Abid Khan yet from neighbourhood yes. policing, and yeah. uh, he certainly helped out a lot, and it was a good source of advice. And we also need to thank Derek and Sue from the Fox and Hounds and uh, Steve, Paddy and the girls at the Aqueduct. Because obviously we, we couldn't have done this without their, their help. Yeah, yeah. Great. Well, um, I'm very happy to hear that uh, uh, an event like this went off without any problems and also was enjoyed by one and all. Uh, just like to thank you uh, on behalf of BRFCS and the wider community for getting everything up and running uh, running a successful event like like this uh, thank you very much to Dawn Ewood Dawn and Oz thank you very much you're welcome yeah very welcome thank you well that's all for this podcast uh, a big thanks to Michael Blackburn and to Ewood Dawn and to Oz uh, we hope you've uh, enjoyed listening and uh, we hope you'll be back with us to listen to our next podcast when we'll be looking at the Rovers start to the new season Thank you ever so much, and wherever you are, do take care. Thank you. Sports Social Podcast Network. Asante came to TurboTax after graduating from culinary school and landing a job in the hottest kitchen in town. My hands are full all day, every day. I love it. 
Asante, as your TurboTax expert, I'll make your moves count. Guaranteeing 100% accurate filing and your maximum refund. Sound good? Yes, expert! Switch to Intuit TurboTax and make your moves count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com slash guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.